This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, Rich here with a reminder that alongside the STFC official Supporters Club, the Low Strangers podcast is going live on Wednesday, the 13th of November, 2019. The venue is the Legends Lounge in the county ground and it costs £5 entry. It's open to all but OSC members will receive a drinks voucher up to £5 upon entry. Tickets must be bought in advance from either the website, which is www.stfc-osc.com, or from the Swindon Town Official Supporters Club table in the Legends Lounge on match days. It's going to be great fun. So the format is thus. It will be predominantly a pub quiz hosted by Vic Morgan. And then in the middle... I will host a Q&A with members of Swindon Town's current playing and management staff. And then we'll return to the pub quiz. It's a great opportunity for all of us to meet up, talk Swindon and argue over whether Spock was half Vulcan, half human or just Vulcan. I for one cannot wait. See you there. Hello and welcome to The Love Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen. Proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Oh, what a good goal! Back foul! Far post for Shearer, goal! I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Cragler! recording it is 8 18 in the a.m on a sunday morning and swindon town have lost their one game of the week 3-1 away at crew in which they were completely dominated and we are here talking about it we of course it's ben wills hello ben hello rich whose idea was this uh, I think it's a combination of both. I think this is my punishment for having plans for once on a Sunday evening. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm being punished. And uh, never let it be said that I'm a, not a good person since I'm doing this recording at uh, the early hours of the morning. And uh, I'm very unaware of what I'm doing currently. So, um, so yeah, needs must, though. It's, it's all good. As a father of a infant, this is not early for me. However, I have the tail end 
of quite a horrible cold, so I shall feel sorry for myself in that respect. <laughs> this will this will be an, a lovely uh, positive podcast of uh, a bad defeat and early for me and you're ill. So um, yeah, this, this is very mid October, late October recording. So uh, let, let's uh, let's try and enjoy this. Let's crack on. So the one result this week was Crew Alexandra free. Swindon Town won. Swindon Town were unchanged from the draw against Plymouth. Stephen Bender in goal at the back. You had Hunt, Donahue, Baldry, and Zakuani in midfield. We had Grant and Leiden in the centre. Isgrove, Anderson, Doyle, and Yates completed the 11. Maybe the only, not shock, but the only raised eyebrows considering what Wellens was saying pre game was that Keshi Anderson started. Yeah, there's there's certainly some preamble about De Anderson having injuries, and I think it's quite surprising that Wellens has has been um, relatively um, consistent with the team given the, the the form in recent months. But he has stick with relatively the same eleven and uh, and certainly the same formation. So I think it's surprising that way. But he seems happy whatever he's seeing. Certainly, even if the, the results aren't following. As per usual on this podcast, it's an away game, so we weren't there. But following the game, it, it was quite clear for those who were watching on iFollow and those who were at the game that this one was pretty much all crew, except when Swindon took the lead on 36 minutes. As I said, crew had been dominant. And Town took the lead through what is, in fairness, another nicely worked goal. Hunt crossed in to Leiden. Former town captain Ollie Lancashire's tackle resulted in the ball falling nicely for Owen Doyle, who scored his ninth goal in 11 appearances for Swindon. We'll talk about Doyle's worth later, but I suppose it's good that Swindon can still conjure up moments like this during even their slackest of performances. Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that because, like you said, neither of us were there. But when I was following live texts from people that were there and from the advert and, and that sort of thing, I wasn't, I wasn't as stressed as I normally would be to hear that we were getting outplayed. I mean, obviously, you never like to read it and, and, and hear it, but you know, we've come to expect for Wellens that we can we can hit these teams on the counter. And although the um, the goal wasn't from a you know a counter attacking move, I, I felt even though we were getting outplayed, that a goal could come from us because that's what we're we used to these away performances. So. Um, you know, like I said, you never like to read it, but I actually felt more relaxed than I normally would. Um, you know, under previous managers when we were getting bossed by Crew in that first half, and I wasn't as surprised as I would be when that opening goal came as I would be under under previous managers. Up until half time, your feelings were completely justified because Swindon went in one <clears> nil <throat> up. The only major downside really was that Keshi Anderson was substituted early on after about half an hour. Coming on was Danny Rose. I mean, I whizzed through the lineups earlier on. All competitions, and I might have missed one. So far, we've had six first half substitutions. Two have gone off at half time. That's quite remarkable. Yeah, I think uh, what we can mention as well there is that even just last week, Anderson sort of went um, went down after ten minutes against Plymouth and got through the rest of that first half. It didn't become. A statistic in in terms of first half subs, but I think he he couldn't have lasted much more than fifty five in the end. So this is the second week in a row where he's gotten off early, uh, not just first half, but but early at least. So you know you mentioned when you mentioned the lineups that it was a surprise that he started, and certainly it backfired and soon enough to make an early sub for someone who who had off injured early for the second week in a row. Do we have to start asking questions at this stage in relation to the fitness of the players? Because we did podcasts all through pre-season and every time a signing came in, it was they have a track record of injuries. We always bat it back with, with you know, but that's in the past or, you know, it's worth the risk and that's why they're going down to League Two and all that sort of things. I asked Richie Wellens that and he explained quite quite well about especially Matthew Baudry's injury record which hasn't been too bad he's been out for a couple of weeks but he's come back now do we start wondering why or is it quite abundantly obvious we have a we have a selection of players with with injury issues I think it's a mix of that and like I touched upon um last week and a few weeks ago that Wellens is is, is high octane as you all know so I still think they are going down like flies because of that. And we've seen that 
a lot of teams from from all levels struggle I mean that first season full season with managers like that and and they they get used to it after a while I think you can use the the most famous example of Liverpool I think Klopp had a pretty bad year in his first season and you know Everyone knows on the title challenges, and even if you want to go lower down with more relevant clubs, then you can look as as, as far as your position on Saturday with Crew, who I think finished about 12th last season and, and this season, although early on at uh, top of the league and, and flying. So I think you can get used to that. So I think there could be a bit of pain early on, certainly in the first six months, but hopefully they'll get there in the end. And I'm not overly panicking just yet, but clearly there are a few red flags. I don't think anyone can deny that. There's been a lot of not just injuries, but as you've mentioned, players going down with with knocks and then having the same knocks the following week and, and having to make early subs quite a lot. But I do think they'll get used to it in the end. But I, I wouldn't say I'm overly panicking just yet. But there, there are a few, even the most ardent Welling supporters will will, um, will, will see there, there's a few things to worry about at this stage. Celebrating that the ball didn't cross the line. Is it Shaden Logan on the line? It certainly is. What an incredible clearance because he's actually stepped off the post that he was marking. And it goes again. This time it's in. Aiden Flint. Swindon Town have rescued it. And Brentford are on the floor in their own backyard again. Okay, well, the second half went the way of Crew Alexandra. I don't know if the phrase hung on is appropriate, but the equaliser came in the 58th minute. All of the goals that Crew scored don't look great from Swindon's perspective, but Crew deservedly equalised after Tom Lowry's central cross found the head of veteran nuisance Chris Porter, who headed in unmarked from close range. I mean, we'll get to the second goal in a few moments, but oh, it, that, even that one doesn't look great. <laughs> it, it starts off a quick call. Like, I think I've only seen it uh, once or twice, but there was a definitely a bit of a scramble once we didn't look to have got it clear about three times and then it keeps coming back in and, and sadly Porter gets there. But yeah, as you mentioned, the um, the worst is yet to come. And I I, I wouldn't say it's avoidable. The, sorry, I wouldn't say it's completely um, unavoidable the first goal, but c- certainly I think it's going to well for a bit and then you know fell asleep and, and, and let that goal in. But I mean, to say it was coming was an understatement from, from those who were there. But um but yeah, I don't think it's, it's, it's certainly not the worst out of the three goals that will come uh, that will come shortly. <laughs> no, if 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 Swindon fell asleep for the first, they were in a coma for the second. So <laughs> right on full time, there are at least at least eight town outfield players defending during this during this move. It won't go down on a well. It won't be on DJ's YouTube show reel. Let's be clear because. Well, it's crossed in, and then there's a scramble, and Porter scores. Bender does really well to to stop the first one. But of those eight outfield players, you can see only Matthew Baudry's moving. They are all completely static, standing completely still, each and every one of them, in the 89th minute, when you've got a point away from home to the team that's currently top of the table. What on earth was going on there? I'd love to answer that question, but so yeah, I can't provide any insight into what the thought process was or what they were thinking. Now, I think I wrote on Twitter that Madame Tussauds was missing some exhibits, so it was, I think statuesque is being kind to it. And um, yeah, there's nothing I can say to to polish that up or, or dress that second goal up. That was that was not good. It's it, it's not us being Swindon fans just looking and being knee jerk either. It, it's it's really, really bad. Yeah, like, like I said, there's, there's no, <laughs> no lot I can offer at this point because they, they are just stood there and just just watch Crew score, essentially. Um, but Bender makes a good save for the first one. I mean, it's, it's point blank range. He does manage to keep it out, but you know he can only rebound it straight to the tackle, which is, is not his fault. It's, it's straight at him and probably wasn't expecting it that much. And uh, his defence do him absolutely no favours. So, yeah, I, I, I cannot offer any reasonable thought or an- analysis into, into what happened for that second goal. No, absolutely not. And I mean, Bender looked like he had an all right performance, stopped quite a few, and that would have gone down really well if if the first save was enough. But alas, it wasn't to be. And what? Well, Crew score a third. They almost score a fourth, but they, they they score a third. And when you see that 
a team scores a third in, in such a way in injury time, you kind of think Swindon have got like nine people up the field. But it comes from a Yaska line and goal kick, a flick on, and a terrible misplaced pass by Hunt. And then Charlie Cook capitalises to make it three. It seemed like Crew just, yeah, you know, like I said, usually these come at counter-attacks, but again, all towns making or doing. Yeah, no, I, I, you, you've got him ahead of me there. I was going to say exactly the same thing with regards to the kind of attacker. Obviously, you know, we weren't there, so I saw this fleck up on the video printer. And okay, and I, even then, I've, I've kind of thought, okay, fine. I mean, that happens. If teams yeah. overcommit and, and, the, and the third arrives, I wasn't going to be in full meltdown after that because, I mean, if I had a pound for a time that happened, I'd be a very rich man in football. So, And, and then I saw it. Uh, obviously, Ian posts the videos as he always did. I was like, oh, Christ, that hasn't, that hasn't happened. And uh, they have just let him score again. So... Uh, that was bad, and again, I can't offer any um, insight into what the hell they were doing, and that was it, was it was really poor, and certainly not what I expected when that third goal went in, because initially I wasn't as, as knee-jerk as I, I, I would have been. Yeah, the tens of the third was as bad as the second is, yeah, a very ba- a bad way to lose in the end. Obviously, there's, there's no good way to lose, but certainly you don't want to lose two late goals early on when, when both goals are entirely preventable. Mm. They did almost get that counter-attack goal right at the end, but they shot wide really sort of saving us from an unnecessary three goals lost on the goal difference. But looking at the stats, Crew had 64% of the possession over the 90 minutes. They had combined shots off and on target, 28 to Swindon's five. This isn't a great look. What Was this a case of getting the game plan wrong? Was this a case that Crew had did the, done the homework? Is this a, is this a combination of both? This is this is this the fact that that crew are cooking on gas at the moment and they're top of the league. Either way, if we're going to be competing, this has got to improve. Yeah, I think you could put all those reasons into a big pot, and I think if you come up with the right answer, I think it's probably a combination of everything you just said there. From uh, Sydney, probably the right idea. Maybe I don't think I don't think Weller was impressed anyway, but. You know, like I said in the first half, I wasn't actually over that worried. But when we were getting outplayed by Crew, because I thought that would happen, and then we tried him on the counter, and we sounded like we were doing that, or at least trying to. So uh, the first half sounded fine, and then obviously there was there was a collapse, if you want to call it that, in the second half that allowed three goals. So um, yeah, a combination of the game plan going wrong, and as you said, Crew are on fire at the moment, and uh, and they're, they're top of the league, so that that's never going to be an easy game. It's just a shame they they couldn't hold on for that extra two, three minutes to get a point in the end, which would have been another good point in isolation, even if the win didn't come. But yeah, there's a, certainly a lot of factors that, that led to that led to this loss. I think you mentioned all of them. We've got quite a few questions to come, but first, there was just something that, that you mentioned earlier, which I'd like to sort of get your take before we move on to the listeners. And you mentioned there are a few red flags at the moment, what are those in your opinion? I think well, I think the one we touched upon is that players keep going down. We've, we've seen we've seen games even when uh, players don't come off for injury, they do struggle with something. I think it was, it was the Plymouth game last week where three players went down and, and two of them came off. So I think that's certainly the main one, and they'll have to think of a way to get through that. But as every Sunday fan sees the calendar this week, we'll, we'll know there's a, there's a Tuesday, which I think there are positives and negatives out there. There's the potential of a, of a quick turnaround, but I think everyone that, that get this used to wellness by now wants the full week off every week so they can get as much rest and, and uh, you know time into their bodies as, as need be. But I, I think the other red flag would probably be Wellens' seeming reluctance to change anything when it's going wrong. I think I, I mentioned it at the top of the podcast that it's surprising that he stuck with four four two and relatively the same lineup in this recent month. But I'm surprised he hasn't reverted back to forty three one or found a solution to bring Doughty back in or or anything like that. But I think that I think someone could argue that's maybe a good sign that he, he has faith in people. But there'll be people like me and others that would like to see a change when something isn't clearly hasn't been going right in the last you know three four weeks. Town currently sit in seventh position which is the last of the playoff places however there is a gap now between seventh and the automatics which is five points which one good week in football can change everything but also a bad week in football could see us drop very very significantly well down to mid-table so we'll talk about the fixtures coming up but my goodness, it's beginning to feel that there's going to be big weeks of the season coming up. Yeah, I think there's about three points that separate seventh from sixteenth. So um, 
we won't drop as far as 16th as, as close to choose because you know teams play each other and, and the math doesn't work out but but clearly like you said it's a very tight league and uh, from even still between first and seventh but certainly there's a big chunk around the the top five and there's another chunk between seventh and 16th as i said so still a long way to go and i'm not we will go into the fixtures in a second but i'm not overly drastic and panicky at this stage you've had a pretty bleak run in the last few weeks we, we played good teams in bradford and crew and plymouth and now we've got, you know, this is famous last words, of course, but we've got a, a nicer run in the next month with Stevenage, Walsall, who haven't been great, and uh, and teams like that. So this hasn't been a good month. I'm not going to dress it up. Anyone anyone can see that, but I'm not overly was coming off panic mode just yet. Here's Cashy Anderson. Five additional minutes. Mullen. It's Matt Taylor. Listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC official supporters club. Well, many of our fellow town fans certainly are wheels off panic mode currently. I think within social media, that was one of the worst reactions we've had to a loss so far this season let's go through the questions there's a little bit of optimism i think but it's mostly negative how's your monday morning going guys mine's perfectly fine so we'll start with mark kirkman and dan stevens and again thank you to everybody who sent us questions and thoughts both of them are going on the dion conroy Injury. So Mark Kirkman, we have completely fallen apart since Conroy got injured. And Dan Stevens, do you think Dion Conroy's season ending injury has been the catalyst for Town's poor form of late? I can't say it's the catalyst. I think that taken literally, uh, the, the form started when Dion was still here. So um, I, I wouldn't say it's the, the driving factor, but clearly it's not helped. And uh, they are to make do with Baji to come back from injury and. and and put a new signing who's, who's not fully fit in. So, yeah, so it certainly hasn't helped, but uh, the form started uh, when Conroy was was still playing. So I wouldn't say it's the main reason. We'd all like him back, and, and sadly we're not going to have him until you know April the earliest. There was plenty of Owen Doyle chat again. Every time he seems to score, people can relax because of his loan spell ending in January. It's inevitable now. If if we win 6-0 and he scores a hat-trick or if we lose 3-1 and he scores the only goal, there's the same question every week. We've been doing these weekly episodes since August. We're getting the same questions from, from different people, but it's beginning to feel a little bit more strained in the sense that, you know, only him and Yates have scored in the last six games for Swindon. So if Doyle was to go in January... If the current run continues, we're in big trouble. But it's all hypothetical, isn't it? It's all hypothetical. So at the moment, I'm still in the mode of just just enjoy Owen Doyle's contribution while he's still here. But I still, still don't think Bradford will play silly beggars just to derail a season. Because at the moment, we're not hugely competitive, even when he's in the squad. Yeah, I can only say what I say every other week, which is which is uh, there. There is a there is a clause in there. I think Wellens has, has said as much uh, about a month ago. Every every loanee has a has a recall clause, so it's just a case of waiting it out. If we get if we get to February the first and he's still here, then great. If, if not, then hopefully we can sign a striker that that can fill his boots, and that will take some doing. I, I, I'm in the same boat as you. That I don't think it would happen, but I've got that. You know that nagging Swindon fan sense in my brain that, of course, that would happen. But I, I, I don't feel that bad about it. But, um, but yeah, we just got a, another thing I said on Twitter yesterday. We just got a low-key support Bradford until February the first, I think, and just hope and pray they can be they can be nice to us and and, and they're doing so well. They don't need their don't need their third choice striker or, or one of their backup strikers. No, Bradford City are currently second place. They're in form. They've they've not. Lost in their last five games, four wins, including against Swindon and a draw. They've scored 21 goals. 
you know, that's pretty much up there. I think only Cheltenham and uh, Crew have scored more than that. So that's reasons to be cheerful because they don't want a player coming in and and upsetting upsetting the squad do they if he doesn't want to be there so it's not just a case of I know Bradford fans are saying let's just recall him just to stitch up Swindon's season but it really doesn't work like that as I said before yeah exactly so um so yeah we'll, we'll just support Bradford and probably have a bit of a soft spot for Rotherham as well and hope they don't recall um Yates back into League One so um so yeah up the other Millions and Bantams <laughs> Tim of the town really not sure Doyle and Yates should play together they're not a pair in the same vein as Austin and Painter. Need to go back to Lone Striker and flood the midfield. I'm tempted to clear my throat loudly here, but um, to be fair, I said the 4-4-2 wouldn't be great because of his growth, not, not because of those two. So, so yeah, I, I would have liked to change back to 4 2 three, one I think I've, I've been saying that for about two, three weeks. And uh, yeah, it's Monday afternoon when the, or it's Monday when this goes out and hopefully that will change tomorrow. But yeah, I, I think... 4-4-2 is clean up and working for the last the last month and so now I would like to revert back to 4-2-3-1 and, and try and accommodate Doughty but you know like I said I've been saying that for about a fortnight. Chris Foote it seems we have a shallow squad and with injuries this is harming results however our squad is bigger than other teams in League 2 are we carrying dead weight? Is it more realistic to push for promotion next season once the squad has been reduced and invest wages better? I mean, with all respects, we can't be going season by season just saying, OK, well, it's a bit, we're a bit heavy on squad size at the moment, so let's trim and go again next year. It doesn't work like that financially within League Two football, but we do have players like... Tamani Diograga, who are sitting on a good wage, who are nowhere near the squad. If he was gone, maybe we would have a half-decent player, like the not-signing Paul Caddis coming in, or indeed a winger, or indeed somebody who could complement Doyle and Yates' goal-scoring. Yeah, I don't think the squad's too big. I think it's, it's just about fine. I, I think they're, they're, they're maybe not in a, enough depth in terms of quality, but there's certainly enough numbers there, I think. And you know, I think Wellens made the team in his own image pre- pretty much in the in the summer, so there's there's only a few hangers on there. I think Diego Rock is the main one, clearly, but he managed he managed to offload McGushin, albeit only on loan. So there's any there's any players like Diego Rock and you could argue Ballbent, but, but you still need that centre back depth, um, even if he's not exactly um flavour the month. So there's been a few centers that haven't exactly worked. I think may probably be posted by this and, and Tallery perhaps, but it's still in October and we both need them for rotation for I don't know, the FA Cup and, and games when injuries happen. So I, I wouldn't say there's anything worrying me there in terms of squad depth or, or too much of it. So um, but it's still only October and hopefully the, the signings that haven't been quite as good in recent months can can find some form. But clearly it's not been a great start for the likes of May and Reid and, and hopefully Ballbank can get back into some sort of form. Pete Marsh, tough fixtures while trying to rebuild a team, but something else is wrong. So partly understand... We are not getting the full truth on what's going on, but obviously Keshi and Isgrove need resting. Why does Doughty look like he has gone into semi-retirement? In January, no more Doyle, unless league position is no threat to Bradford. Need to sort out the most reliable midfield, not necessarily with the most flair. Need to defend well, away from the box. Bender has to boss his defence and get them upfield. Otherwise, it's a coconut shy. With his abilities being negated, transition from defence into attack was the strength early on. What happened? Hmm. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there, I think. I, I don't disagree. I don't agree with, uh, with loads of that. I think that I can see where people come from. They, they say things like, what's covered there, but um, I can't offer any sort of comment to Doughty when he apparently not looking interested. I wasn't there um, at the weekend, as he mentioned, but he hasn't been in that much. And I, I, th- I think he probably is still committed to the cause and, and the rest of it. So hopefully he can, he can be, he, he can still be involved there. And I think, I think Bender started well and he, he, he does do that transition from defence to attack well, or he, or he certainly did um, in the Plymouth game. He almost got an assist practically in that game. So, I think he's he's contributing to that in terms of getting Tuna back to that level. So, see, so yeah, like I said um, earlier, I'm not massively drastic yet, but there are certainly some uh, some seeds of doubt being planted um, early on this. Uh, well, certainly in this month. Martin Stewart should Wellens, as much as I think he is great, shoulder some blame for this run of form. He then goes on to talk about the four four two not working, but we've already talked about that. 
Look, we're both fans of Richie Wellens before this season started, but this has been a rough month for him. I think I do agree with the question. I think Wellens should shoulder some blame, but um, you know, like you said, we're we make no um, hiding place that we are both fans, and I am still a fan. I just like I said, there's a few things that I'm not exactly buzzing with, but I'm not, you know, getting my pitchforks out just yet. So uh, I, I do think he should shoulder some of the blame, but um, I think we, we've seen so far in his his since as manager both at Oldham and, and uh, Swindon that he's been a manager that goes through runs both good and bad, and this is certainly a, a shit version of the runs currently. Darren Galbraith, poor run. I was always wary of our start when I saw this run of fixtures. Yes, we have been unlucky with injuries, but that isn't the main cause for this bad run. Poor tactics, and I alluded to in my promotion for this episode, to the lack of goals aside from Yates and Doyle is a big factor. There are some huge games ahead. Yeah, definitely. I think we knew this is coming in a way. I think I remember even when we were doing the season preview that we had Bradford and Plymouth back to back and we were doing sharp intakes of breath then. <laughs> so um so yeah this this hasn't been a it hasn't been a nice run both in terms of the level of teams and the actual form. It would have been nice to get one or two more wins just to you know to prove that we can be the better teams in this league. But this is always going to be a bit of a, a bit of a tough run and like I said we've got big kinder ones in the next month or so so I could definitely be like an arsenal in a month's time if we've had another bad month but I am expecting an intake um, in in recent in the next few weeks. Our man in the People's Republic of China Jack Tanner observes is it top three or bust given that we can't beat any of the likely payoff contenders? Um, I, I think there's something in that yeah I think I, I wouldn't like playoffs anyway because you know what we're liking them so so yeah, I, I certainly if Obviously, you can't pick and choose where, you, where you're going to get promoted if you can do, but certainly we should be uh, aiming for top three rather than top seven because I think we'd all be in high anxiety mode if we finished between fourth and seventh because playoffs are not exactly our, our best mates in, in recent history in particular. So top three or bust, maybe not, but I, I can see where the thought process comes from. And we did manage to get a point against Plymouth and it was a, a narrow defeat to Bradford. So a second leg, we might be okay there. But, um, but yeah, it's not a... It's not a great sign, so top three, please, if you can, please, lads. <laughs> uh, we'll look back at this month and laugh at the end <laughs> of the season, won't we? Ash- for a good reason, I hope, rather than just uh, hoping for promotion out of blind faith. Ash Cricket, playing well, just lack physicality when up against some bully sides, and we can't beat the top team, so I think playoffs for us at the moment but also think it's good we are trying to play football the right way. In some games, we need to be a bit more gritty and realise that we have to battle and grind games out to beat top teams or bully tactics. It's at moments like this where I think about Richie Wellens as a player. And Richie Wellens as a player, was he was gritty, he was a bully, he had the game by the scruff of the neck sometimes. And his philosophy as a manager feels a lot different. He played for some great sides, so I'm not saying he played for teams that played ugly football. Far from it. Quite the opposite, in fact. But I do wonder why we don't play grittier at times. Yeah, I think we're in a few injuries away from Wellness putting a shirt on, so we could see <laughs> yeah. it soon. I think I said about two weeks ago that although Swindon are nice to watch and it's certainly a lot better than than recent seasons, I think I think some grit is there in the shape of in the shape of Grant and Leiden, so and and and, and I think even Baldry and people all that. So it is there. I think I think other League Two teams have got more of it, and and, and so far it's winning. But um, but Crew are not exactly gritty, and they've come away with three points as well. So I'm not again I'm not overly worried about things like that. Swindon, I've got players in their squad that that can do the um, the nasty stuff and. Hopefully, more weeks than not. Uh, certainly, in the last month, than uh, more weeks than not, they'll they'll be able to be able to spin through either by by doing good stuff or by grinding out via the um via the tougher players. Our friends at the Newport nineteen twelve Exiles podcast asks bottom of the form table over a six game spread. Discuss. Well, how about you leave us alone, Newport County? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite. Uh, I, I was surprised when I read that from the advert, but I think Stevens have got four points in the last two, or certainly four points recently. They drew at the weekend and I think one last week. So they are on a brief upturn, but they are still bottom of the league. So hopefully Tuesday will be a, a nice respite. But, um, but yeah, I think those sorts of games are always more anxious <laughs> that, uh, that will be the ones that lose. But, you know, like I said on this podcast before, at least we're not going to be the first ones. So that's a, that's a matter of relief. But 
I, I am still okay going to Tuesday and hopefully that will rectify the recent bad form and, and, and like I said we've played some played some good teams in the last in the last month with Plymouth, Bradford, Newport and Crew. Uh, never a nice run. So so yeah, I, I think I think we'll be fine in a, in a month's time. I, as I said, quite a few times I've prepared to look like an absolute knobhead um, when we do this podcast in, in late November. Most of the final comments sort of lean towards looking ahead to the next fixtures. We'll go in a bit more depth on those just after. But Pete Norris says, after a tough run against the top clubs in the league, what sort of points return is a minimum for the next four games? So those games in the league, because we do have a Football League trophy and maybe FA Cup obligations in this time, is Stevenage... Crawley away, Walsall at home, and then Salford away. So, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll talk about Stevenage and Crawley in a bit more detail, as I mentioned, but there's got to be plenty of points from that, hasn't there? Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely been too optimistic here, but I'd like I, I would like ten from that. I think normally I'd, Salford would normally be a bit worried, but they have been a lot more pants than I than I expected um, in July. So I would be looking for three points there as well. And I think I think the only point I'd probably take there is Walsall. I think they haven't been great, but I think they're still quite good. And no doubt Adebayo will get his, his first goal for them uh, against us. So yeah, that is, that's definitely a lot, a lot kinder we have had in recent weeks. And we're probably not going to get 10, no, my luck, but I, I would be liking at least 10 from that, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with that, to be honest. I'll say nine because, well, that's both... I'll take that and, you know, we always get a loss in there somewhere. It'll probably be against Stevenage, but we'll think about that in a bit. Joe Ross Williams, been a bad run and thrown points away against the there or thereabout sides. I hope we can get three points for Little Rose at home on Tuesday. A struggling Stevenage at home on a chilly, chilly October night could be just the tonic to raise some much needed morale in the ranks. Can I add, though, at the risk of sounding like I'm in the glad all over brigade, gestures like Danny Lee's this week and much improved open, inclusive way the club is moving within the community is what makes me most proud to be a Swindon fan right now. A few more points would be um, nice, but Joe's quite right. That is the story that Danny Lee, who works within the club, published a picture um, of a card that somebody written asking to be a mascot and saying how much they had saved and the club have invited said child to be well I hope it's a child um, to be <laughs> mascot on Tuesday against Stevenage yeah I think it's safe to say that the um, the pre-season optimism um, of everyone being holding hands and, and, and dancing around the circles has gone but clearly that was a nice thing we had this week and as long as it was a three-year-old child and not someone who just uh, wrote with a weaker hand <laughs> to get a free uh, mascot package, then, uh, then that's all great. And um, and it's good to see the, that community fit around the club. So we can blast the glass of life if we want, but that is nice to see. And although results haven't been great, we have still got those um, those nice things as a, a proper club to, to hold on to, I think. Aren't we cynics? <laughs> I, I would like to point out, I, I, do, I think it's a child. I'm, I'm just making, <laughs> just making a, a joke for podcast reasons. Me too. Bill Coe with the last question, with the observation to start with, totally dominated by crew all game, need a win Tuesday, five defeats already, Richie Wellens needs to sort things out. 10 points from 12, please. That, 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 like I said, we're, I don't think I don't think it's anything to be drastic about yet, but people clearly are, and that's, mm. that's, that's fair enough and I can see it. I'm not on Swindon Fan TV just yet, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see in mid-November. <laughs> Here's Rooney with the layoff. Williams looking for the early cross. It's come instead to... Uh, oh, it's a superb goal by Swindon take the lead, another blow for Brentford after their devastation of just a week ago. Well, we talked about a team finding a piece of real quality. We've just seen it from Massimo Luongo. The touch of quality we needed. It's a stunning opening goal. Okay, it makes sense now to talk about the next game, which is home to Stevenage on Tuesday night. Stevenage are managed by Mark Sampson of England women fame and controversy. They drew 1-1 over the weekend at Port Vale. Their former town players Scott Cuthbert and Michael Timlin within their ranks, plus Wiltshireman Chris Stokes. The last meeting with Stevenage was back in March of this year. Ravel and Chair with the goals 
both of whom aren't at Borough anymore. Town have won every league fixture against Stevenage at home. The last was that remarkable game where Sol Price got a brace and Scott Twine got the other one, I think, didn't he? They're bottom of the league. I can't sit here and go, well, you know, a draw will be all right. This has to be a win. And I predict if it's not a win, we are going to get... It's going to, the, the, the gloominess and the negative comments, it's going to get louder. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And like I said, they, they have had a brief uptake. I think if it's not four out of the last six, it's, it's four of the last nine, but they've definitely had a, a, a bit of a improvement under Sampson. But clearly they are still on one win out of about 14. So they, they are not very good. And it is three points or bust. I'm not going to. I'm not going to paint over anything less than three if that happens tomorrow night. So yeah, yeah, that's that's not good at all. And um, and and fingers crossed that we can actually put the bottom of the league away rather than uh, succumb to the anxiety that I have. That it'd be typical us to to give them a second win. So, so yeah, no, I I agree with you. It's, it's, it'll be a win or bust on Tuesday. And I won't be able to paint it any other way if if that doesn't happen. But um, but yeah, Stevenage at home was one of my favourite games of last season. It was a you know, although League Two isn't exactly full of magical nights, I think I, I did really enjoy that that Tuesday there, and it was it was a great night for the academy and, and Sol and Scott. So, um, so yeah, hopefully, if not more the same, because I doubt Scott a time score again, but um, hopefully we'll get another midweek home whenever Stephen is. Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with two one Swindon, but Town will fall behind to scenes of angst. <laughs> if we fall behind on a Tuesday night, we're not coming back. So I'll go for two one, but we'll have the we'll have the two 0 lead and then just about cling on. <laughs> Fingers crossed. The second game for this pod to cover is next Saturday. We are going to Crawley Town. Crawley currently sit in 13th position. They lost 2-1 at Bradford City over the weekend. They're only human and they go to Newport in midweek. So they've got a that's a tough double bill that they are currently going through. They are still managed by Gabriel Chioffi and have Towns, or former Town, Jamie Sendles White in their setup. His Low Strangers podcast is available in all the usual places. Tickets wise, um, adults, you've got twenty pounds if you're seating. If you want to stand in on the terrace, it's sixteen pounds for the over sixty fives, fifteen or twelve pounds. Under 21s, 13 in the seats, 11 on the terrace. Under 18s, £10 either way. 16-year-olds or under 16s, £4 either way. And under 11s go in free of charge. That's all right, isn't it? Tickets will be available on the day to away supporters. That's no price increase, but advanced ticket sales will stop at Swindon Town at midday on Friday. So this is another one where we need one of those Swindon Town specialised away days, don't we? We need we need this to be six points. Yeah, definitely. I think in my bank of ten, I'm not sure if I'm predicting. I'm certainly hoping for ten in this in this little run that, that this is another another high, high down for a hopeful three. So um, yeah, I think yeah, ju- judging by podcasts and, and EFL sort of programmes, I watch Crawley a lot more expansive under Chioffi apparently, which is surprising me because they were. You know, archetype Italian um, last season. They were one of the teams I had down in the summer for you know their seasons with banking and um, for straight swindon. So if they are, if they're more expansive, that'd be interesting to watch the people that are there. And I'm I'm surprised by that because, like I said, Chioffi was the you know the archetype Italian last season, and and, and that's that's interesting. So so yeah, a tough game I think, but it's another one we've got to be looking at. Three points if you are going to have any realistic ambitions to for you know top seven and beyond. I think. I'm going to predict a draw, one-one, but I think Sweden need to win it. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm if I'm predicting or hoping for for ten points at this point, but I'll go for another win. Sod it, I'm going to going to go all out for these ten points for the next in the, for the next twelve. So I'll, I'll go for a one-nil edge to over what sound like a pretty decent, if consistently inconsistent, Crawley. We get six points over the next week, and this episode becomes the most dated misery fest. Um, for quite some time. Fingers crossed. <laughs> That's Thompson again. Oh, a beaker could be in here. But what an entrance. That one crept over the line and that seals top spot for Swindon, no doubt. But there's still a couple of bits and pieces that we need to cover. 
let us just uh, acknowledge the fact that it doesn't look good for those romantics who wanted Paul Caddis to sign. No, shame that. And it was it was a good bait for Facebook that uh, apparently the money's run out, which, you know, isn't great, but it is what it is. And although Tyler Reed hasn't been amazing, we have, we have got that depth at, at fullback with with, um, with him and, and Donahue, uh, Ayandolo and the rest. So I wouldn't say it's season-defining bad news, but clearly it's... Not great that we can't afford a player, and you know Tullerid hasn't been amazing. So if he does need to come in, then there will be a few nerves there. But um, we have, we have got depth at right back in the shape of numbers. So I'm not again. It's another it's another thing where I'm not you know fuming or or, or you know uh, panicking. So I'm I'm okay with it. It's not great news, but I can live with it. Finally, another letter was released by Sean Reynolds in the Advertiser. We love talking about this, don't we? <laughs> yeah, loads. <laughs> okay, so it was written by uh, Christopher C. Soros, Esquire. It says, I have represented Mr. William Kiraviori in various real estate and business dealings for over the past 15 years through various affiliations, and I'm quite familiar with his capabilities and resources. Please be advised that Mr. Kiraviori and his affiliates have the direct capacity and can marshal funding in the excess of 20 million US dollars, which could be dedicated in the acquisition of a major professional sports franchise. In fact, I represented an affiliate of Mr. Kiraviori's in the acquisition of a major US sports franchise as co-counsel with other lead investors. And our law firm is one of the leading US firms engaged in representation of various sports franchises and investors. So consequently, Mr. Kiraviori and his investment group also have ready expertise available to them in his pursuit of the instant opportunity. Please feel free to call me should you have any questions going forward. So that was the letter, that was the content. So there's this there's this company in America that seemed keen to buy Swindon Town Football Club and when you put it in that way, doesn't it sound great? I mean, I will not dismiss this um, takeover bid, but there are a few things that are really sort of niggling away at me that makes me think this isn't worth our hassle. One, the fact that they're just leaking documents to the local press, you know, if they've worked with major franchises in America, then be open, right? Be be open and clear and list those franchises. If you're trying to big up the purchase of a fourth division English football team, then say, we have we've we've worked with major teams such as it doesn't make sense. And when I read the, the Advertiser article, even though I think Sean Reynolds, who wrote the article, has been a bit clearer on Twitter, we've, and I've been dwelling on this, so do forgive me, we had the club come out and say we're standing by the September statement that says we haven't had a bid. They approach Clem Morfuni, the non-executive director. That's right, he's non-executive director, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. They approach him, who's not available to comment, or he declines to comment. They go to the STFC Trust. They decline to comment. But we, we don't hear how much effort has been made to to contact Abel and to do research into who these major franchises are. It just seems it just seems odd. Investigative journalism is brilliant and these sort of things should be made available to fans and to anyone who's interested but I just think we're just at the surface level of something that could be huge or something that isn't there yeah I think I've listened to podcasts recently and uh, although it's with much bigger clubs admittedly they, they, it was basically in relation to Newcastle that when, when takeovers happen they just happen we don't hear about them and yeah although although it might be difficult or different sorry with, with League 2 I think it's, I, I do agree with the general point that if if uh, if uh, people are going to buy a club, they will just buy it. They won't. They won't do any of the um, leaking or whatever. When when deals happen, they normally happen pretty quickly, even if they are if they can be protracted um, occasionally. I think, I think I'm not going to pretend to know inner details of, of what's going on in the club. A lot of people pretend to, and I, I I don't like to. So 
there's that but i think i think um you know i'm not overly excited really until there's anything properly concrete and like i said i think the other have done some good work with with contacting people that need to be contacted but as long as they're going to plead no comment, then then there's nothing further you can go with that. But you know, I think some people even accuse the other of of making up the letter, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go as far as that. But but clearly, um, I'm not exactly excited by this, and and people will go, you know, full guns blazing because there are people that are you know, understandably full power out, and that's absolutely fine if they want to be like that. But I don't think there's anything concrete in this letter, or certainly not concrete enough to um, be fully behind it just yet. And if more things come out in the next few weeks, then so be it. But I think my general standpoint and opinion on this is what I said at the beginning, that when takers happen, they just happen and we hear about it when it's happened um, rather than weeks and weeks of protracted events and, and the rest of it. So I'm not exactly um, fully on board or, or um, invested in this just yet. Yeah, I think that's spot on, isn't it? The uh, you, you wake up one day, you see a statement's been announced by a club and it's just that uh, it's been taken over. That's the way to do it. That's that's the one that you want to hear. But Swindon's history in this in this in this certain area isn't fun thing to talk about. It's it's full of twists and turns and not many really great endings, is it? But I just don't understand if a organisation, a company with such experience working on such acquisitions, why is a couple of emailed letters the way to start proceedings? Unless, of course, things are happening behind the scenes that we don't know about. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't really offer anything more than that. It's just, uh, like I said, I'd, when it happens, it happens, hopefully. And if, if it does happen, great. I'm not exactly convinced by the the project so far because uh, it's been protracted and, and and that's not but great. But if it does happen, I I, I for one welcome on your American overlords. <laughs> yes, and that is how you end the podcast, Ben. <laughs> thank you very much. Cheers, man. Always a pleasure, even if it is as early as this. The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. It's a grand old team to play for And it's a grand old team to see franchise. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.